If I were to ask you this morning, how many of you would like peace? How many of you would like peace? I see those hands. Here we go. I'm sure all of us would answer in the affirmative, and we'd say, yes, I would like peace, especially in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. We want peace of mind. We want peace in our homes. We want peace with our children, peace with our spouse. We want to have peace at work and peace in our neighborhoods. We want peace with our circumstances. We even would say we want world peace. Peace, we all want it. But the question is, how many of us actually have peace? How many of us have peace? Got peace? There are a lot of things that rob us of peace. A lot of things can rob us of our peace. The biggest one that we're aware of now is fear. People living in fear of the, of the pandemic. It might be inner conflict. It could be disagreements or conflicts in our homes or conflicts at work. Maybe it's a problem with one of your neighbors. The noise and the, or a barking dog or something that just annoys you. Maybe it's circumstances in our life, whether it's health or finances, the fear of losing job or being laid off, the conflict with a, a, a coach or a teacher. Maybe you're driving to work in the morning if you have your job, which is awesome, most people do, and someone cuts you off. Or you accidentally cut someone else off and you get this angry look in that, that famous gesture. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you come to that new roundabout and get confused and you don't know who's supposed to go. And all of a sudden, this peaceful drive to work, you get confused and you lost your peace. Yeah. I lost my peace again. Maybe it's just listening to the news and there's that bad news report. You've been waiting for some good news. And, yeah, by the way, there's usually good news about the last five minutes of every hour news report. But you just hear this bad news report and you just lose your peace. You say, you know, I had it a minute ago, and now, now it's gone. It's really easy to lose our peace. Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to have peace. We're supposed to have peace. Now, peace is not just in the sense that we're left alone. In other words, if people just leave me alone, I'll be fine. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. That's what we think about in peace sometimes. Peace is wholeness in every direction. The whole definition, the Hebrew word of peace, means that we're in wholeness in relationship with every direction. Inward, outward, relationally, circumstances, our world. Being in wholeness with our entire world. That's what peace is. The question is, you got peace? You got peace? We're going to look at four keys to having peace. Now, this isn't exhaustive. Uh, this is just one passage of Scripture that I thought would be very ap apropos to our circumstances because many of us wrestle with having peace today. And so I want us to, to turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, the fourth chapter. Some of you know this passage well. And uh, we're going to look at four keys to peace in Philippians 4, starting with verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Well, the first key to peace that Paul writes here is, number one, it's rejoice always. Rejoice always. In fact, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. He says it. It's so important he says it twice. Okay? You wonder why he said it twice? Because it's very important that we do that. Now, Paul doesn't say, don't worry, be happy. Like the pop song. There's a pop song that said, don't worry, be happy. Uh, Happiness uh, comes from the word happenstance. Happenstance. It has to do with circumstances. And happiness in that way depends on circumstances, externals. Now, happenstance or happiness contrasted with the word joy, which the word rejoice is part of that rejoice, joy. Joy is internal. Joy does not depend on circumstances. It transcends circumstances. And Paul says, rejoice always. And the grammatical structure makes this a command. It's not just a suggestion, just a nice idea. It's actually a command. It says, rejoice always. He says, rejoice always. Now, like all commands, it has a qualifier. It says, rejoice always in the Lord, which shows that this joy or this rejoicing is dependent on a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's not something we can work up in ourselves. But he says, rejoice in the Lord. It's dependent on our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's internal, not external. It's empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit, without whom this is impossible. Granted, every part of the Christian life is impossible without the empowering power of the Holy Spirit. But it is a decision we make. It's a conscious act to rejoice and to have joy. We can actually choose joy. Everybody say, I choose joy. I choose joy. Good. It's the beginning. (laughs) In the Lord. And then he says, another qualifier, he says, always, always. There's a constant rejoicing in all circumstances, good and bad. Now, this last year, we had about, I think it was about three, uh, it was either broken ankles or something with do with ankles and legs and stuff in it. And we had circumstances. You, you can say, I don't know if I'm going to rejoice in that. And, and you say, I don't know about that. Am I supposed to rejoice in all circumstances? Yes, good and bad. Now, remember when Paul wrote these words, he was in prison. He was in prison. And he did not know from one day to the next if he was going to live or die. And he says this. He says, I've thought of all the possibilities that are out there, everything and anything that could happen to me. And he says, still, I say, rejoice, rejoice. How hard is it to rejoice in everything? Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. It's a supernatural process. And why would we do that? Well, James talks about that in James 1, 2 to 4. He says, consider it pure joy. That's that word again, joy. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Take joy in that. You know, there, people have been through innumerable issues with this coronavirus pandemic. Everything from financial issues to losing jobs to, to loneliness and being isolated. I mean, you talk about it. And then the physical 
manifestation of this in getting sick. Some people have lost friends and loved ones. We lost a very close friend who lives in Seattle. And, you know, there are all kinds of circumstances. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, when we rejoice at all circumstances, we're acting out the basic fundamental fact that we trust God, trust God so much that we will find our joy in relationship with him. Not these circumstances. We find our joy in relationship with him. It's kind of like you can go through anything as long as you have family. You have this relationship with family, and you go through tough times. You have family, relationships, or friends. This is the utmost relationship with God, no matter what the circumstance. And as long as I'm with Jesus, I can rejoice no matter what I face. So he says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now, that's the first key to peace. second key to peace, you want peace, is never worry. Never worry. Everybody laughs. Says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, come on, it's enough to have to rejoice constantly, but never worry? What what will I do in my spare time? Moms say, what else do I have to do? Grandmothers or grandparents, you know, we work. I mean, that's just kind of what we do, isn't it? Worry. And, of course, I've always heard that it was good to worry because 99% of what you worry about never happens. Make sense? Okay. But Paul says, do not worry about anything. Or he actually says, stop worrying. And just like rejoice always, it's a command. It's a command. It's in that grammatical structure of a command. Now, worry is the attempt to carry the burden of the future by yourself. The attempt to carry the burden of the future by yourself. And that causes anxiety. Worry is the opposite of faith. Worry is unbelief. And unbelief is a serious sin because it actually questions God his love, and his sovereignty. Hudson Taylor said this, very simple. He said, give it all to God, and you have nothing left to worry about. Okay? Makes sense. Give it all to God, and you have nothing left to worry about. One writer states, being anxious betrays a lack of trust in God's care and is a species of unconscious blasphemy. Now, Paul is not making light of our cares and concerns, but he knows that God is greater than our troubles and our fears. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Now, he just addresses a few issues there, but he, he means to address all phases or all cares in our lives. And then Jesus in Matthew 6 calls our attention to many worries, more than just food, drink, or clothes. And he says, don't worry or stop worrying. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Early in our ministry, Judy and I were serving a church in Lakewood, Washington. And the church was on a busy four-lane road surrounded by open space and wetlands that led down to a creek. And one afternoon, I I was delayed in the office for going to lunch, and I took a late lunch, and I left the office and came back. When I returned and drove into the parking lot, I saw a mother goose with eight goslings marching right down the parking lot, across the parking lot, towards 
the street. It was obvious they were intending to cross the street, this four-lane road to get to the wetlands on the other side. We didn't have any crosswalks. We had no, no, no geese uh, or geese crossing signs or whatever. So I immediately turned the car around and carefully drove out crossways in the middle of this four-lane road and stopped, and I jumped out of my car, and I started to flag down traffic. Now, you probably think that was stupid. It probably was, but, but I just did that. It was spontaneous. And after the initial reactions of annoyance by the drivers, it all stopped, and then curiosity, as the Goose family marched across that four-lane road, I got smiles and waves, and people honked, and everybody realized what was going on. And the little Goose family made it safely to the other side. Now, I've thought about that occasionally since then. Did God know that that geese family or that family of geese was going to cross at that moment? Did God delay my lunch appointment and schedule my time coming back so that I could be there to stop traffic? Did God even care about this little family of geese? You know, I don't have the answer to all those questions. But I do know this. I know that Jesus said, you are of much more value than geese or birds or whatever it was. Much more value than that. Don't you think that the God who cares that much for a family of geese and baby goslings cares more for you? Never worry. Never worry. Worry causes more sickness and disease than any other thing. In fact, some in the medical profession have said that as high as 90% of persons in the hospitals in America are there for psychosomatic illnesses, just worrying that they might have something. Now, that might be a bit high, but, but you get the point. Worry causes a lot of things. And worry disrupts peace. So keys to peace, rejoice always, never worry. The next key ties into worry because anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. The th third key to peace is number three, pray thankfully. Pray thankfully in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Peace is the fruit of believing prayer. It's the fruit of thankful prayer. Now prayer is just talking with God. Prayer is just talking with God. And believe it or not, God wants to hear from you. He loves you. He's called our Heavenly Father. And I always imagine when I go to God that he says, oh, no, it's Mark again. He, he's here again. Oh, he's going to ask for something. You know, it's, it's kind of like we think that this, this God is going to be tired of hearing from us. doesn't want to hear from us. But believe it or not, God wants to hear from you. He loves you. He's called our Heavenly Father. And some of the qualifiers about prayer or pray in everything, pray in everything, big, small, good, and bad. Now, if you had a friend that only shared the bad news, some of you probably have a friend like that, only their complaints, it wears you out after a while. If all they did was share the bad news, well, we have a relationship with God, a friendship, and he likes to hear the good too, okay? He wants to hear the good stuff too, and the bad. He wants to hear everything from you on good days and bad days. Everything. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too great. Nothing is too awful for him. And I think about that because he's our Heavenly Father. 
And like a father with a small child, we, we like to hear about the cuts and the bruises and the owies and all the little stuff. And we think, oh, we've got to kiss that thing and take care of that skin, knee, whatever it is. We want to hear about that. Everything. We want to hear the good things and the bad things, the big and small things. Now that our kids are grown, I still want to hear everything, okay? You guys know that. Prayer, talking with God. The second one is pray, pray with petition. Petition is defined as to request humbly, to request humbly. It's not haughty as if we deserve it or owed, but it's a humble request. He said, present your request to God. And to have a request, it has to be specific, specific. Requests specifies the content of the prayer, which is specific requests. And let me ask you, how do you know if you've had a prayer answered if you're not specific? You know, we kind of say, God bless my family. God bless my, you know. We do these, these general prayers instead of God. There are some very specific things I'm praying for, for my family, for my children, for our life. And it's really good to actually write down your request and then write down when you get the answer. I know people that keep a prayer log. Um, it, it's sometimes been a lot. Of, there have been times in my life I've done, been more faithful with that than others. And, but why, why do that? Because we forget, okay? And, and we go, oh. And then we come to the next time. We go, oh, I remember last time God answered this prayer for this. I guess he can do it again. It, there's something about our memory. Write down the request. Write the answer. And God wants to answer our prayers, just like he loves to answer God. A parent likes to hear their children's request. And God knows our needs. He knows our predicaments ahead of time. But he wants us to verbalize them. God can answer without a request, but when we request and he answers, it builds our faith. And we begin to understand, again, experientially, that God is a God who hears prayers and answers prayers. And, and I'll admit it's, it's tough sometimes because we can't see God, okay? That's true. Pray and answer. Answered prayer is objective, tangible proof that God is love and he's sovereign and he's integrally involved. And when you petition, you can pray for yourselves. Don't be, don't be afraid to pray for yourself, but also petition for others. It's praying on their behalf. And then there's a modifier in this verse. Let her see it's with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We're admonished to begin prayer by praising God for the fact that in this situation, he's almighty God. When we begin this way, our fear and anxiety can melt away and we begin to have peace. Mark 11, 22 to 24, Jesus said this. He said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if someone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. An attitude of thanking ahead of time. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Believing that God is and he's greater than the present problem. He's a rewarder of those who seek him earnestly. Thanksgiving is important for prayer. It's a way to recall God's goodness, past, present, and keeps us from ungratefulness. Thanks. So the first three keys, rejoice always, never worry, pray 
thankfully. And the fourth key, think positively. Think positively. Now, every, every, everybody has a friend that everything is always positive. It's always positive. You almost go, oh, makes me sick. Everything's good. I mean, you, just can't, you say something, and they're always looking at the positive side and whatever. Well, and then there are some people that it's always negative, okay? It's kind of like these extremes. And, and we know that is part of human nature. But when he talks about having peace, he admonishes us to think positively. Now, every action originates in the mind, with the exception of speech, of course. Many times speech occurs before the mind is engaged, but typically every action starts in our mind. Actions, attitudes take the form in the mind. And if we're going to have peace, what happens in our mind, what we think about is very, very important. What do we think about? Think means to take into account, to reflect upon, to allow these things to shape your conduct. And, and you guys know that the human mind will always think about something. The exception today is if we're just kind of blindlessly looking at our smartphones. Sometimes I don't think our minds are engaged, but, but that's, that's an exception. The question is, what, what do you think about? What occupies your mind? What occupies your mind? What is going through your head? And if you wrote down the things that you thought about in a single day, what would that look like? Kind of a scary proposition. What did I think about today? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. can be interesting. And then what goes into your mind? We have to have the discipline to think the right things in order to have peace. Peace. He says, think about these things, or let your mind dwell on these things. Let your mind continually focus your mind, give critical attention. What are those things? Just very quickly, whatever things are true, truthful in every aspect of life, focusing on things that are true, noble, let her be, which are honest or worthy, uh, those things that are esteemed or respectful, command reverence, noble as opposed to dishonorable. Those things, concentrate and think about things that are right, which would be just in relation to people and to God, involves duty and responsibility. Uh, pure, letter D. And this has to do with motives as well as actions, having unmixed motives. We, we are surrounded by, by media all the time. The question is, what media challenges your thoughts of purity? What, what media challenges your thoughts of purity? television, internet, whatever. But this word pure means pure versus soiled or dirty. Letter E, think on things that are lovely, that which calls forth love, lovable, attractive, winsome. Not just physical, but he says, set your mind on things that elicit admiration and affection, not things that elicit bitterness and hostility. And then, F, admirable, those things that are of good report, gracious, of good, re good reputation, well-spoken of, winning, expressing what is kind and likely to win people. He says, think on these things. Now, when you go through that list and you compare it to an average day, how does that work? Then we wonder, why are we in such turmoil? You know, because we have all this bad news and we allow these things into our mind. So much it can disrupt. We, we realize we watched a full hour of news the other night, and it was all bad news, and it was all terrible, and we finally turned it off, and the whole atmosphere of the house was awful. 
We lost our peace. It was like, oh, my goodness. We said, we're not going to do that again. It's like, and we need to stay informed. We've got to stay informed, and we've got to find, abs- we need to find places where we get truth, real truth, as far as news. But make sure that if it, if it affects your attitude, affects your mind, letting that stuff in your mind, say, how is it affecting me? How is it affecting our attitude and, and atmosphere? Because it can rob you of peace really quick. And then he says, think on these things. He says, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, and they are, think about such things. Whatever is generally deemed worthy of praise, or if anything deserves your praise, think on these things. And remember, these actions are preceded by thought. He says, practice these things, or put them into practice. And he says, the results are peace. Peace. Rejoice always, never worry. Pray thankfully and think positively. And verse 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Four phrases that talk about this. First of all, peace of God. Now, this isn't peace with God. This isn't peace with God, but the peace of God. It's not just an inward peace of our soul, but it's the tranquility of God's own eternal being. It's the peace that God himself has. That is amazing. I can have the peace that God has. Is he ever worried? No. I can have the peace that that he has. And it transcends understanding. It says surpasses, surpasses comprehension. Literally, rises above every mind or human comprehension. Many of you here today can tell of a time in your life where there's no way you should have had any kind of peace. You should have been in turmoil. And yet you had peace. You say, I don't know how that happened. Well, it was the peace of God that surpasses human comprehension. We don't understand it. it. It surpasses human comprehension. And it says this kind of peace will guard your hearts and minds. Guard means to protect. And the picture, the word guard is like a military detachment that is, that is established on the outside of a city that is guarding the city. So this kind This kind of peace will guard your hearts and minds. It will keep you in check anything negative that can come against you and attack you. So this peace will guard your hearts, your heart and your mind. It's a great great defense against attack. And the final word is in Christ Jesus. In other words, this peace is reserved for those who are in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Isaiah 26.3 says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. John 14.27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I don't have to tell anybody here today that we're living in troubled times. The coronavirus pandemic, political division, economic chaos, uncertainty upon uncertainty. But you know what? God's people have always lived in uncertain times. God's people have always lived in tough times. And the quality of life we're called to, to exemplify and to experience and to communicate to other people is that we are called to live with peace. Rejoice always, never worry, pray thankfully, 
think positively, and the result is perfect peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Got peace? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us these guidelines and that you don't just leave us on a sea of subjectivity and just kind of lost and wondering what to do. You give us guidelines and you help us understand that we can have peace in the middle of the, the, the most crazy times. And I pray, Lord, that as we move forward in the, into this week, Lord, Lord, those that are going to be listening online later, people who are perhaps in the houses next door listening to the, to the radio broadcast, those in the parking lot listening via drive-in church, and those that are here in the sanctuary, I just pray, God, that you would give us your peace and that we would be able to live in that confidence not peace in some abstract God, but a tangible, real God who we know personally through your Son, Jesus Christ. And I just pray, God, that that peace that surpasses comprehension will guard our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen.